Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. You can't live life without facing threatening circumstances, right? And when we face those kind of circumstances, what is our natural reaction? We cry out for help. But what do you do when you cry out for help and you feel like no one's listening? Not even God, at least from your perspective. If you turn to the book of Mark, chapter 4, verses 35 through 39, you'll see a situation where the disciples felt like their cry for help wasn't being answered. Let's take a moment to read this. On the same day, when evening had come, he, Jesus, said to them, his disciples, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling up. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, Do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Holy Spirit, anoint your servant, anoint these people in our main auditorium and those worshiping all over the world. Anoint them to hear and understand and receive. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for Rhema. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now here the disciples are loading up onto a boat, something they had did many times when they would go fishing, navigating. But prior to them getting into the boat, Jesus makes a statement. And we see it in verse 35. He says, let us cross over to what? The other side. That's the title of my message. How many of you feel like you're stuck in the middle and you haven't made it to the other side? How many of you are about to venture out maybe into something new? It can be a positive. It can be a negative. And there's that unknown. But you know on the other side is that breakthrough that blessing, that miracle, that answer to prayer, whatever it is that you're believing for is on the other side, but you're here. And in between you and the other side is this expanse, this gulf, this body of water. That's exactly where the disciples were when Jesus said, we're going to the other side. But when Jesus released those words, it was more than just going to a destination. He was really talking about a journey of faith. A divine appointment that was waiting for Jesus. Where? On the other side. Everybody say, the other side. 
an appointment the devil didn't want Jesus to keep. You're going to find when divine appointments, when there's a mission, there's a cause, there's a purpose, something the Lord has destined for you to fulfill. And there are divine appointments for all of us. Don't feel like you're exempt. Don't feel like that you're not as important as someone else. There are divine appointments that God has orchestrated for all of us. Whether we fulfill them is our decision. But they're there and they're waiting. And so Satan wanted to keep Jesus from this appointment. So after reaching, as they set sail, after reaching the halfway mark, Scripture brings out that a storm arose. Now the disciples, as I mentioned, were experienced navigators, but this storm was unlike any other storm they had seen or experienced. So severe it was that it was beyond their abilities to really get them through safely. Despite their efforts, nothing worked. Maybe you feel like that's where your life is right now. Maybe there's some things you're going through, circumstances, battles, struggles, whatever. And you feel like all of the efforts that you're implementing, they're good, but they're, they don't seem to be producing the results. Where's the breakthrough? Where's the provision? Where's the answer to prayer? Where's the peace? I feel like the storm since I prayed has gotten worse. So as they continued, finally they came to that place where they were desperate for their lives. And that's when they began to say, where's Jesus? He should be here with a bucket bailing all of the water out of the boat. But he was nowhere to be found. And then finally they went down below. And there he was asleep on a pillar in the midst of the storm. I'm sure that angered them at first. Don't you care that we perish? We see that in Scripture. But there was a reason why Jesus had peace. And the reason went beyond his deity. Yes, he was God incarnate, but he was still, just like you and I, fully man. So even though he was God incarnate, there was a reason beyond his deity that he had peace. So here they are, filled with emotion, and they say, how can you sleep when everyone's life is in danger? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever cried out for help? And you feel like the Lord doesn't hear you. Maybe even say, what are you, asleep? Can't you hear my voice? Lord, don't you understand how serious this is? Don't you, don't you know what I'm going through? Do you take pleasure? All of these thoughts that are not from God at all. But it's a, it's a barrage, a bombardment of all of these negative emotions that try and convince us that God's the issue. He's the problem. And he's not. See, that's one of the ploys of hell. You try and make us think that God's the problem when he's not. He's the answer. But if we begin to distance the answer, then we distance our provision, our miracle, our breakthrough. Right now, the Lord wants you to know he is your answer. So if you're feeling disenfranchised, unheard, then this next statement I'm about to make is for you. When you're in the midst of the storm, the Lord wants you to know He is with you in the boat to bring you through the storm. Again, when Jesus is in the boat, 
there's always a way through the storm. With this in mind, let's look at the first point, the command. Write that down on the back of your bulletins. Everything started regarding this storm when Jesus said, let us cross over to the other side. That's a significant statement. Jesus spoke it. He released it. He was convinced. Once he said those words, he was leaving the command, let us cross over. In other words, we're going to the other side, no matter what. When you look at this, you'll find the disciples, when they heard these words, they were more focused on the means of crossing over rather than what was waiting once they crossed over. A miracle was needed on the other side. A man, for whatever reason, who was demonized, in fact, once Jesus made it to the other side, he goes to that man. He was deliberate, intentional. Remember the demons in that man caused the man to fall down at the feet of Jesus, and Jesus said, what is your name? And the spirits, plural, spoke through him and said, we are legion because we are many. So this man waiting on the other side, you'll find in other portions of Scripture, it says that every evening he would cut himself with stones. So you can see that cutting is nothing new to our modern-day generation. It was even way back then, self-infliction. It says he would cut himself nightly with stones and cry out. He wasn't crying out because of the physical pain on his arms. He was crying out because he was tormented and wanted to be set free. He needed a miracle. He needed a breakthrough. He needed Jesus. And so the Lord knew the miracle on that other side would take place once he reached that destination. And that's why the storm came. Satan sent the storm, not God. Storms come to deter people from the greater cause. Maybe to reevaluate, is it really worth it? Look at what we're going through. Look at what we've suffered. We don't need this. Have you ever said that before? You're so frustrated with, with life or your circumstance, whatever it may be, and you say, I don't need this. I'm done with this. You throw everything down, say, I'm going, I'm going home. That's exactly what the devil wants. He wants us to come to that point where we just simply say, I quit. I'm done. I'm over. Now, it's not a sin to feel that way. We all get hit with that. Maybe not those exact words, but we all feel at times the exhaustion because we're human. And we all get hit with thoughts that tell us, I'm, I'm just done with this. I quit. I'm out of here. That's called temptation. But it's when we begin to act on and fulfill those negative emotions and thoughts. That's when it turns into disobedience. You see, Satan wanted to roadblock the miracle that Jesus was going to bring for that man. And had Jesus allowed what he saw to determine what he would do, that man would still be unto his death, cutting himself and crying out, his prayer's gone, unanswered. 
So I need to say this. I, I, I really do, not only for those gathered here, but those of you who are watching online. If you're in the midst of a storm, and stop for a moment and ask yourself, if the devil saw fit to send this storm, what is waiting for me in the positive sense? On the other side, what provision is waiting there? What miracle is going to be released once I get there? Maybe not only for our own lives, but even God will use us to bring a miracle to someone else. Because isn't that what the whole purpose of ministry and the gospel is? We're blessed so we can share that blessing. I have found in my life of ministry, God has brought supernatural healing, restored my body many times. And it seems that the same healing he's brought to me has been part of my ministry, allowing the Holy Spirit to bring healing to others. You'll find whatever your pain, that becomes your pulpit. Did you hear me? You can speak from authority from where you've been and knowing where God brought you, and your words can bring hope and encouragement and faith for others to make it to the other side where their miracle awaits. There's a purpose for all of our lives. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad for that? He left the command. Let us go over, cross over to the other side. Now, again, sometimes when you're focusing on the destination rather than on what God desires to do, we put time limits on God. These limitations can even bring us to a place of that frustration where we lose sight of what God really wants to do, not only in us, but through us. And when we come to that place where we're determined, Lord, I don't understand. I don't know where this came from. Well, first you need to know it came from the enemy. It's not from God. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variation, nor shadow of changing. I've heard people say at times, well, God gave me this cancer. No, he did not. Every good and perfect gift God is not the source of your sickness. He's not the source of your struggle. He's not the source of your pain. He's the source of your healing. He's the source of your victory and peace. He is the source of your breakthrough. And when we begin to understand that storms come to distract us, to derail us, to keep us from a divine appointment, just as there was one waiting for Jesus, there are divine appointments waiting for all of us. And instead of being deterred by those things, become resolute. Become tenacious. Grab on, hold on to what's on the other side. You may not know fully what it is, but once you get there, it'll make sense. Don't allow the kingdom of darkness to bully you any longer. It's an awful thing to live in fear. I remember when I was a young man, Young boy, people in school at young ages, bullying, even me. My father gave me 
some real good advice. He told me, don't take it, give it back. I only had to give it back. I allowed that young individual to reap what he was sowing. And I was never bothered again. And the same thing is applicable to the devil. There's too many people who are tolerating the lies, the assaults, the bullying that Satan brings against them. And God says, I have not destined you to be the tail, but I have ordained for you to be the head as I am. Doesn't Scripture say we can tread on serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy and nothing? This time I read the Webster's Dictionary, nothing means nothing. Nothing shall by any means, what? Hurt you. So Jesus, he was able to rest. He was able to sleep in the bottom of the boat because he was focused on his destination. I shared this first service years ago, about, about a year after Cindy and I had married. Her mom and dad, her dad was still alive at that point, uh, treated us to go with Cindy's two sisters and obviously her parents on a two-week cruise. I prayed about it for about a half a second and said, yes, I'll go. <laughs> now, we left out of New York Harbor, and then when we made our way so that we could pursue and, and venture into the Gulf, we had to go through Cape Hatteras. Now, anyone who has any naval background, sailing background, or even if you have cruise experience, Cape Hatteras is some of the most challenging waters in the U.S., in the Atlantic. And as we went through there, a storm arose and they have different levels of rating storms, the severity of storms, from force one to force 10. The storm that we encountered and entered into was a force 10. They had pianos that were going across the, 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 the floor of a, of a concert area, uh, area and, and all of the silver trays were just spilling. Everyone was assigned to go back to their rooms and bunker down. So I remember just laying in the bed, Cindy and I laying there, and the power and the force was so strong, when it would go down and then come back up, it would literally press my body, my physical body would press down into the mattress, leaving an indent at that moment. Finally, I fell asleep. Next morning, woke up. It was clear as a bell. The waters were calm. And then we enjoyed the remainder of our cruise. But I remember what it was like to be in a storm like that. There was nothing I could do. I had no experience. Can you imagine a passenger going up to, to, to the bridge where, where all of the navigation and the steering of the ship takes place? I've got this. Now, do you have any experience in, in navigating a ship like this? No, but I have stayed at a Holiday Inn Express, right? You know, I mean, you don't need individuals going where they have no experience. Obviously, I didn't. So what did I do? Cindy and I both, we trusted. Either we're coming through or we're going to be with the Lord. Either way, we win. Obviously, I made it through because I'm here today bringing the Word of God to you. But maybe there's an emotional storm that's going on. Maybe there's a financial situation, a legal situation. God wants you to know He doesn't expect you to fix what is beyond your ability. But He does expect all of us to trust Him. To lay it in his hands. Place the circumstances in his care. 
Because if we allow anything to keep us from the other side, it may stop the blessing that's waiting for us there. Maybe that blessing is the salvation and deliverance of a loved one. Maybe it's a healing that you've been waiting on or someone else that God will use you as an instrument to speak faith and prayer over that person. Could be a financial breakthrough or a new job that's waiting on the other side. It might even be your ministry. Some of you have been praying for years. Father, I feel like I'm called to ministry. But Lord, I don't know how to make it happen. Just be obedient. Do what God says. And if he calls you to venture from your comfort zone to a new territory, which means leaving where you are and crossing over to the other side, then you do it. Because on the other side... Is that divine appointment that's waiting. So don't allow fear to keep you from crossing over. Why? Because Jesus is in the boat with you. You may feel like he's not there, but he is. What does his word say? What do we trust, our emotions or his word? His word says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. His word says, he is an ever-present help. In times of trouble. If he's not there, then he's not ever present. He'll never leave you. He is in the boat with you. When you look at Mark chapter 4, verse 35, we see this. When Jesus said, okay, we're going to go over to the other side, what did he say? Let us cross over, plural. He could have said, cross over ahead of me, I'll meet you there. He had done that before. But his specific words were, let us cross over. That meant he was going with them. They were not alone. And why did Jesus go? Because he knew the disciples could never make it without him. And that's why he went with them. And he is with you today, no matter what your circumstances, no matter what your emotions may be crying out in opposite to that, he is with you. So focus on Jesus rather than my second point, the crisis. Focus on Jesus. Don't focus on the crisis. You're going to find obedience is often met with opposition. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 37, documents this. And it says, in a great windstorm, they were obedient. They got into the ship, the boat to cross over. And it says, and a great windstorm arose... And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now, a lot of times people have asked me this question in life. And they say, why does God allow this adversity in my life? God is not the source of the adversity. But there are times when adversity hits, God allows it. And it's not about tormenting you. It's not about playing games. First, it's about this world is in a spiritual battle. There is the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of God Almighty. And so when we realize that there are two kingdoms at war, that means as we have come to know Jesus, as he has brought his freedom, his deliverance, his great salvation to us, and as he has empowered us and filled us with the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit. 
that he has equipped us that when adversity comes, not only do we have what we need to cross over to the other side, but we also have what's needed for others to be encouraged by us and through us to make that journey to reach the other side as well. So first we need to understand we're in a battle. It's there. There's, there's a conflict, light colliding with darkness. Then the second thing, the reason God allows opposition adversity is because opposition gives God the opportunity to demonstrate his omnipotence. People need to know who's stronger. People need to know who is more powerful. Omnipotent means all-powerful. They need to know that there's no one like him. There are so many false narratives out there. People creating other ways to God. Listen to me. Jesus made it clear. He is the only way, the only truth, the only life. There is no other way. But the God who answers with fire, as Elijah said, when he challenged the prophets of Baal and Asherah, let him be God. And God at times when adversity happens, it becomes an opportunity for God to let the world know, and even us, that he's God. I've got to tell you, I don't want to serve a God who doesn't answer prayer. I don't want to serve a God who's limited. I want to serve the God who hears when we cry out in agreement with his word and knows no limitation. That's the God I serve. Hallelujah. So what happens when we face adversity and finally when we reach to the other side, you know, we're beyond the adversity, we're beyond the storm like the disciples were. We know who got us there. We can't say, oh, it was my great wisdom that got us through that storm. I've been in some pretty dangerous, you know, storms of life. And I was so wise. No, when adversity arises and it's beyond our abilities and we don't know what to do, not only do people know God brought us through, but we know it too. And we're sure to make sure we proclaim that and give him praise throughout the bible there are people who face storms in life and god brought them through what about moses leading israel out of egypt only god could have done those 10 plagues only god could have parted the red sea only god could have provided manna in the wilderness daily only god god made a way where from the natural perspective there seemed to be no way but with God, all things are possible. If you believe that, say amen. amen. What about Gideon? With 300 men facing the Midianite armies. They were outnumbered. Over 100,000 soldiers with the Midianites, and they had combined with other cities as well. What were they to do? But with God, all things are possible. And when Gideon and his 300 defeated the multitude. They did the impossible. They crossed over to the other side. And Israel was set free from the tyranny and bondage of the Midianite government and people. How about David facing Goliath? He did the impossible. No one else in Israel believed God could defeat Goliath. All of the armies hid in their tents. And King Saul, who should have been leading the way, he hid as well. Finally, a 17-year-old boy comes on the scene. 
that King Saul didn't believe had any chance in defeating this great giant. And then the very army that Saul had no confidence in, he offers it to David. Here, put this on. This will help you. David says, no, I'll just go with what I'm comfortable with in battle. And when he stood before Goliath, it wasn't the stone that brought down the giant. It was God's hand on the stone. And when Goliath yelled his assaults, his fear, his blasphemies at David, David responded by saying, you come against me with a sword, a spear, and a shield. But I come against you in the name of the Lord God most high. He didn't say I come against you with a sling and a stone. He said I come against you with the name of the Lord God most high. And today I will strike you down. Notice he spoke faith. He spoke the other side before the other side was even a reality. Today I will strike you down and cut off your head. And the very sword that, that Goliath held that would take down all of his opponents including David when David released the stone and God directed it and it took hit right there in the center of that open spot of his helmet, it dazed him. It knocked him to the ground. And the very sword that was there to kill David was turned around. And no weapon that was formed against David prospered. He picked that sword up and took off the head of that giant. Hallelujah. He crossed over to the other side. Why? Because he believed. What about Peter's miraculous release from prison? Here he was arrested for preaching the gospel. He's awaiting execution. James, the brother of Jesus, had been put to death, and when Herod saw that it pleased the people, Peter was next on his list. That night, because the church was praying, people like you, they were praying for a miracle. They were praying for Peter's release from prison. God sent an angel, went in, touched Peter, his chains fell off, the prison doors opened. Peter thought he was in a trance. Trance. Have you ever had a dream that seems so real that, 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 you don't, that you say to yourself, maybe this is real? Well, Peter's wasn't a dream. It was God's reality for his life. And he was led to safety. The impossible became possible because of God. Peter crossed over. To the other side and continued his ministry to the early church. All of these men, they all knew who brought them through to the other side. The crisis comes, listen to me, the crisis comes to reveal the Christ, the anointed one. It's our opportunity to encounter him, to see what he can do, to celebrate there's no God. Like the Lord God, Jehovah. There is no God like Jesus. The crisis came to reveal the Christ. Which in turn produces what? What the disciples experienced with Jesus. The calm. The storm ceases. You see, the storm the disciples were facing exposed the disciples' inadequacies. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't deal with it. When you look at Mark 4, chapter uh, verse 38, it reads, But he was in the stern, Jesus. He was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? These disciples, they had never experienced a storm of this magnitude. Never. 
This was beyond their abilities. They felt so inadequate, which is what motivated them to find Jesus. And you'll find that if we're becoming so self-dependent in life to where we're not consulting God the way we need to, at times there will be a storm, a confrontation that may confront us and it's a way of revitalizing, resurrecting our knowledge that we need someone greater than us to navigate us through life. It motivated them to find Jesus. And look at how Jesus responds in verse 39. It says, then he arose. There's three things we're going to see there. He arose and rebuked the wind and said or spoke to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. Not just a calm, a great calm. Three things Jesus did. He arose, symbolizing he stood up in authority. Then he rebuked. He took authority. He stood in authority. Then he took authority when he rebuked. And how did he take authority? It says, and he said or he spoke. The words of his mouth. He was able to neutralize and remove the entire threat when he took authority by standing, rising, when he spoke and rebuked the storm. At that moment, everything changed. What the disciples were unable to accomplish, Jesus did in a moment just by speaking to the elements. At that moment, that became a teaching time for the disciples. This was a learning curve for them. They had just encountered something they had never seen before. And Jesus only had three and one half years to prepare the disciples before his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension to the right hand of the Father. So they were in a bachelor's, a master's, and a PhD program over three and one half years with Jesus. He was getting it all done in one set. In one set. And so here in this teaching moment, look at what he says in Mark 4, verse 40. It says, but Jesus said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, the Lord already knew what they were going to do. But it was rhetorical. He, he was asking a question that he already knew the answer for. And he was allowing it to become a teaching moment for his disciples. How is it that you have no faith? What was Jesus doing? He was exposing their fear. And it was that fear that was neutralizing their faith. In other words, how is it that you have no faith? Because they were feeding their fear, and in return, fear is the antithesis of faith. What you feed will dominate. You feed faith, you'll grow in faith. You feed fear, you'll grow in fear. And it was this fear that caused the disciples to lose sight of who they were with. And that's what happens to us at times. We feed our fears. We're so focused on the storm. We lose sight of the other side. Then we lose sight of who's in the boat with us, who's in the midst of the storm with us. Then we believe every imagination, every negative thought, rather than holding steady to the promise of God. God always honors his word. How many believe that? Amen. In fact, you'll find fear magnifies your problem. 
whereas faith magnifies your answer. So in closing, why was Jesus able to sleep during the storm? Because he knew God honors his word. Isaiah 55, 11, what does it say? So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. The word of God has to come forth from our mouth just as it came forth from God's mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Now, who was Jesus? Scripture says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was the Word incarnate in human flesh. That means every time He spoke, the Word of God was speaking. The Word of God, as we just read in Isaiah 55, 11, it doesn't return void. So what was happening Jesus, because he knew he was the word, and prior to every, uh, even setting sail to the other side, he said, we're going to the other side. We're crossing over to the other side. He spoke it. He released it. He was the word in human form. So there was no possibility of them not reaching the other side. Even in spite of of the disciples' lack of faith. The author and finisher of all faith was asleep in the bottom because he knew, I said, we're crossing over and we'll cross over. It doesn't matter if all hell comes against us. We're crossing over, so I'm taking a nap. I had a busy time feeding the multitudes. I'm going to rest. I know we're going to the other side. And that's where we need to get. We need to come to that place. And it's a journey. It takes discipline. It means really focusing not on our problems and our circumstances, but focusing on the one who said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The promise Jesus made to the disciples, it was fulfilled, Mark 5, 1. Then they came where? To the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. That place where Satan didn't Jesus want to reach. Where that man who couldn't be dealt with by the city and the religious leaders. So he was transported to a, a grave area, a place of tombs built into the rocks where no one would venture. They dumped him there helpless because they couldn't help the man. But yet Jesus heard his cries and was willing to even face the storms of life in order to answer the prayers of this demonized individual. When the individual saw Jesus, he subserviated himself, fell to his knees, and then Jesus commanded those spirits to come out. Instantly, that man was set free. You see, when you're standing in the authority and the power of Jesus Christ, what's difficult for people becomes easy because it's no longer us interacting but God in us and through us. The devil knew if Jesus reached the other side, he would lose that stronghold in that man's life. Listen, there might be strongholds in your life today, but I want to encourage you to focus. Don't be distracted. 
Don't allow yourself to be derailed, to lose sight of the cause, the purpose. Don't lose track of your why. Believe God. Take Him at His word. Make the journey. Continue the walk of faith. Because God has promised. He is taking you to the other side. Jesus didn't allow the storms to deter Him, and we need to do the same. Not only for our lives, but even the prayers. Maybe you feel like you've prayed for some individuals forever. It just seems like nothing's happening. God, are you really listening? Continue to pray over and over. Believe. Become tenacious. Don't let go. Bulldog faith. Until the breakthrough comes. God is faithful. Jeremiah 1.12 says, He listens. He hastens over His Word to perform it. How many of you believe the Word of God? When you pray the prayer of salvation, how many of you believe God heard your prayer? How many of you believe when you prayed the prayer of salvation, you did get saved? And you did receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, that same faith that brought salvation to you is the same faith that you believe which will take you to the other side. So that not only your life continues to receive everything God has for you, but then you go beyond yourself and you say, Lord, use me as a miracle in the life of someone else. Just like Jesus. He'll bring the demoniacs to you, the sick to you. He'll bring the broken and the hurting to you so that you can pray for them and they can encounter their miracle all because you were willing and focused on the other side. Hallelujah. How many are willing to make that journey? How many of you want to go to the other side? Not only for your life, but for the lives of others. God is calling you to the other side. Don't shriek back in fear. Step out by faith. Amen? Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for your presence in this house. I thank you, Lord, that you have called us to the other side. Lord, our miracle and the miracles of others are waiting for us and for them on the other side. I thank you, Lord God, you have not ordained for us to be stuck in our faith, trapped in our circumstances. But you are always faithful, as your word says, to provide the way of escape. So I thank you, Lord, this is a breakthrough day for everyone in this auditorium. For those who are listening online, this is a breakthrough day. Lord, right now I speak to the storms that are facing them. I take authority over them and I command that this storm that is trying to harass and deter these people from fulfilling the purpose you have destined for their lives, it comes to an end now. I speak provision. I speak breakthrough. I speak healing, Lord God. I speak your wisdom and your insight. I call those in families who've been running from God back to their borders into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I prophesy it in the name of the Lord God most high. I thank you, Lord God, that which is impossible, Lord, is now possible because of your faithfulness. So I bless you and I stand in the gap and Lord, I impart faith so that these same people can rise up, can rebuke and speak, not only on their own behalf, 
but as they intercede and stand in the gap for others. In the name of the Most High God, I prophesy, I proclaim it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. How many believe God heard that prayer? Then give Him praise. Praise the Lord. This is your breakthrough day. God says partner with Him. He's in the boat with you. Determine in your heart to believe that He's crossing over with you to the other side. Where you're at now is only for a moment. But your blessing, as you stay the course, stay the course, your blessing, your breakthrough, your miracle is waiting. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.